everybody. Welcome to Remix. This is your host, Jack Gillespie, and I would like my guest to introduce himself. And that would be me, and his name is Brad Killian. So Brad, what do you do around here in Byte? Uh, I mostly do podcast work, sometimes host. Uh, not so much this semester. I've been sticking mostly to editing because I've got other stuff going on in the background, but predominantly podcasts around here. I'm trying to branch into different stuff, but this is mostly what I do. That's dope. That's valid. I feel like people who are in the editing sort of sector do not get enough credit because without y'all, it would just be raw recordings of us just talking absolute nonsense for exactly. what may feel like hours. They don't realize how much power we have, you know? Exactly. We can, make, we can make someone sound foolish really quick and really easily. Like this could never get to the public. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I'm going to make true. sure to be careful of your power. Yep. So what have you been listening to recently? So, you know, normally when I'm listening to music, it's um, I, I just have like a giant playlist that I'm shuffling songs through constantly. And uh, I, I go through spurts of like adding new music in. And recently I've been listening to Earth Gang. Uh, they are signed to uh, Dreamville along with J. Cole and uh, J.I.D. Yeah. I've been listening to their latest album, uh, Mirrorland. You know, some singles on there like Up and um, oh, what's the other one? Like Bank. Like I, they, they rock. They sound really cool. And I've also been listening to uh, IDK. He's a, a little bit lesser known rapper, but he has been making moves in the rap scene that I'm very impressed with. And his latest album goes into some higher concepts about like challenging belief in God and like all that kind of stuff. And it's really dope. Oh, that actually sounds really sweet. I love the record that tries to tackle huge, huge issues. And actually, a lot of my friends that I really trust their music opinion have tried to get me out to Earth Gang. They've told me that they're sort of like outcast. Yeah, and exactly. That's always what I hear. They're very outcast-esque. I love know? me some outcast, so I, I'll definitely have to check that one out. I'm just always kind of bad at just like keeping up with so many of the records I hear recommendations for. Mm-hmm. So, for me recently, as of last week, I'm continuing to visit some old 2010s classics, I guess. Okay, okay. <laughs> for my end of decade list, um, on the menu this week has been Father John Misty's I Love You Honey Bear. It's like this really beautiful, really well-orchestrated sort of indie folk singer-songwriter album. Mm-hmm. And Father John Misty has a very distinct personality that sometimes it rubs me the wrong way, like on his 2016 album, Pure Comedy. That one got really political and... Uh, he. I feel like he didn't tackle it in the best way, but I Love You, Honey Bear is just like him at his most lovesick. It's a love record. It came out in like February of 2015, so it was just like the perfect time for it to be released. Mm-hmm. And like even looking back, it's still just like a beautiful record. Awesome. Um, I also listened to Everything Everything, their album Get to Heaven. They're a UK um, art pop group, and I think that was like one of the best like political records of the decade and just like it's so fresh, so colorful of a rock album that I feel like it's a right way to do a rock album in the twenty tens. Interesting. I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah, it's really dope. I like there's just so many influences going into it. Like there's like pop, electronic, rock. Just like it's just like amazing blend yeah. of stuff that bounces that, really well. That just seems to be how music sorta of is nowadays, where it's like you're not really tied to a genre, it's just like you're predominantly a genre, but you like, you know, you, you dabble with other genres. Like maybe you're a hip hop artist that has a little bit of a like a metal sort of twist to him, like Denzel Curry, you know, or, you know, maybe you're like an electronic ish sort of group like a Daft Punk that has like that pop influence, you know? Yeah. Or like vice versa. Yeah. I feel like a lot of artists like are becoming much more, more versatile because I feel like music's been around for a while and I feel like there's just been so much development. It's coming harder and harder to come up with like a true original idea. Mm-hmm. So the way to really innovate is to just like take already existing properties and just like fuse them in ways that you've never really seen them being fused. 
And, you know, it's like with how accessible music is nowadays and how many people are making music, it's kind of hard to say, like, I'm going to be the best, you know, hip hop artist. I'm going to be the best rock star. I'm going to be the best pop star. It's just like, I'm just going to be me and hope it sells. Yeah. Hope someone clicks on that SoundCloud link or however. Exactly. Yeah. And other than that, I've been listening to Janelle Monet's The Arc Android. It's just like one of my favorite albums ever. So, okay. like, more than just like visiting it to remember it, I like, I always have that on repeat. So it's just a thing I listen to because I love listening to it. It's an amazing record. It's just probably some of the best R&B soul put out. I'm going to say ever. Ooh. Yeah, it is conceptual. It's huge. It's really god darn catchy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's always in my ears, and it that is no exception this week. Well, damn, we're going to have to add another one to the list. Yeah, man. So let's hop into the news. And the first one is a bit of a fun one. So Amazon, have you heard of Amazon? Um, I Small indie company. I hear they sell books. Yeah, they're on the up and up. They're on the up and up. I heard that they're trying music too. But yeah. Okay, okay. Um, dominators of the entire culture and economy, <laughs> Amazon, they announced they're dipping their toes a little bit more into the music industry with their own music festival called Intersect. Um, so it apparently will be taking place from December 6th to 7th in the middle of the Las Vegas desert. And some headliners will be Casey Musgraves, Beck, Anderson Pack, Foo Fighters, Leon Bridges, Brandy Carlisle, Churches, and Jamie XX. Now that, um, okay, cool. That was like a good solid amount of artists, very diverse sort of one. Here's where it gets a bit interesting, a bit quirky. A little weird. A little weird. <laughs> so some other features will be a video arcade. Okay, Dope. cool. A million square feet of games and activities. Okay. Hmm. A post-apocalyptic dodgeball stadium. Well, now. A mega-sized ball pit with over 200,000 balls. Oh, ball pits. Hell yeah, dude. Oh, my gosh. Okay, but before I go continue, I'm very cautious of this idea because uh. even, like, in theory, ball pits are fun. They're cool. They're dope. You do not want to, like, even ball pits designed for children, that's already got some, like, unspeakable things deep within the dude. deaths of those. <laughs> I don't want to know what a ball pit designed for adults would contain. Just unspeakable stuff and you know there's going to be people that are like yo what if we had sex in the ball pit oh man like be... that's going to happen like no doubt oh my god it's like that one tumblr convention where that there was rumors that oh. that happened some unspeakable things happened just like this small little ball pit yeah people are just like eh, i don't have time to go to the bathroom and yeah that it was a dash con what was that like 2014 yeah. oh man it was like somewhere around that time god it's so weird that we've gotten to the point where like memes have become like a uh, history like history yeah like <laughs> i remember rage comics back in the day on like iFunny. oh my god back in my day we left at chocolate rain and we didn't have to talk about all these vibe checks and such exact dude <laughs> What a world we live in. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. But other than ball pits, they've got a drone-assisted light show and a six-story video tower called The Monolith. That, I, I mean, I'm excited about the drone show because I think it was it was the most recent Super Bowl. Was that the one with Lady Oh, the Lady Gaga? Gaga? Yeah. No, they had... I think the most recent one was Maroon 5 where they uh... brought in Travis Scott to do sicko mode. Whatever. they, I know they had, like, a drone show for one of the Super Bowls, and I remember thinking at the time, it was pretty dope. I think it was the Travis Scott, like, Spongebob controversy one because I remember being like, oh, this drone show is pretty cool, but then being disappointed that they jibated us. Oh, my the, gosh, yeah. Like Spongebob. Like a show just, like, Squidward just going, like, and it was just like, oh, my gosh. And then a they're meteor doing it. crashes, and then it's sicko mode. And so did everyone's interest in the show from exactly. that point on. Just like. I was watching that in my dorm room on Twitch just because I was like, 
surely there's no way that like this happens. But like as it got closer and closer, I'm like, oh, this is actually gonna happen. And then there was like the couple like uh, shots of Squidward, and I'm like, the Mad Lads. It's they happening. Did it. It's happening. And then psych sicko mode. Like do 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 do. <laughs> but you know that's in the past. Let's talk about this Amazon festival. But yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I personally think there's a lot of good artists in these headlining artists. But uh-huh. for the, like the one of the biggest corporations on the world, I'd think they'd be able to get like at least one like super mega pop star. Yeah, like this this lineup leads me to believe that the music side of this festival is not the main draw. It's essentially this like two day or so just like playground with this dodgeball stadium, arcades, ball pits, and stuff. I feel like they 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 weren't splurging on the music side. They this is more like a technology slash playground like showcase. But I mean that being said, some of the artists on here are like interesting at least. Like I'm a huge Anderson Pack fan. And... Oh, same here too. I love Malibu. That like is one mm-hmm. of my favorite like soul records in a long time. Yeah, and like Foo Fighters as well. I you know I dig a Foo Fighters album every now and then. But, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I mean some of these artists, it's like yeah okay. So it's like it's not so much what's selling this show, I would say, the music like lineup or whatever. I also like I went through like the full poster. I saw JPEG Mafia was on there and I was like That yeah. seems like a very both off brand thing and on brand thing to be a part of, to be on mm-hmm. a festival of one of the biggest corporations on the planet. Yeah. Or as confrontational as his music and persona can be. It's <laughs> He's like the token, like weird sort of artist that you get just for the get like the the internet hipster sort of crowd where it's like Oh, they got JPEG Mafia. Yeah, well, it's like, oh, maybe they're, they're in on, on the joke. They... Maybe I'll check out this trite after all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is, I feel like, one of the first big examples of, like, company like Amazon popping in and, like, making music festivals. Do you think this might be a thing that might catch on with others? Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, an Amazon-sponsored music festival, you know, doesn't hurt. It seems... It's, it's like at the point where you have just so much money as a company. It's like, what do you really do? And it's like it. It can also be a way to like test like a like your app sort of like networking. You know, tracking like you know you develop an app for like the concert or like the event where people go around they check in. You can test sort of those frameworks as well as just like you know test the power of your brand. Like how much does an Amazon music festival draw yeah. in terms of numbers? You know. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like it hurts at all. Yeah, and I was looking around, and I found, like, one of the only other cases, like, a huge corporation trying to do something very similar to this, but, like, honestly not all similar, was Google did this thing called Goodfest in 2016, and it wasn't even really, like, a music festival. It was just, like, a series of shows, weekly shows, where they just had, like, one artist, and the biggest artist that I saw that they gathered was Dram, the dude who made Broccoli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Dram. Yeah, and I like to see him more as, like, the guy who made Broccoli. His album, oh, freak, I forget what the name of the album is, but it was just, like, super good. It was really solid. Mm-hmm. He's just like an amazing singer. Yeah, I've never I've never heard of this good fest though. Yeah, me neither. I had to just like scour like ironically Google to find it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even there it wasn't really too many like huge articles or like big press about it. So it seemed like it was just like a one time thing because it did only happen one time in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Almost makes you wonder if just like music festivals in general are just not as much of a thing anymore just because of how you know accessible music is like sure you can say like hey we've got all these major artists coming for like you know two days in this one location it's like you don't want to miss it but it's like but then you're also thinking it's like well i can also listen to polished versions of everything that these artists you know make in the comfort of my home 
drinking non-overpriced drinks and stuff, not buying super expensive T-shirts, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Though, so, though I personally think that it's not like the death of the music festival. Oh, I just no. feel like the industry of the music festival is just like very just like it's set in stone. Like it's more the status of the festival you went to. Just like, oh, man, I went to Coachella. <laughs> I went to like uh, – uh, the Pitchfork Festival, that wasn't as big, but it's just like another one that came to mind. Yeah, it's more of like an influencer sort of thing now, less like a, you know, just, oh, hey, you know, grab some buddies and go to this festival. Yeah, something for James Charles to post pictures of his assless chaps tat. <laughs> I'll, yeah, that I, was, know, I know who that is. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> let's not talk about James Charles on this music hey, podcast. Know, I'm down with that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. So... The nominees for the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have been announced, and there is, I think, about 16 artists, but some of the big ones include Depeche Mode, mm-hmm. Whitney Houston, Judas Priest, Kraftwerk, Motorhead, Nine Inch Nails, then the Notorious B.I.G. Mm-hmm. Now, one of these artists is especially interesting to find on this list, Nine Inch Nails, because a while ago, Trent Rev- Reznor, who's pretty much just Nine Inch Nails, it's mostly like a one-man act, uh-huh. he said in response to being snubbed last year as, I don't give a... F word. Yes. <laughs> and it was funny that just a l- couple months after that, he gave a speech um, when The Cure got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he said, I quote... I remember distinctly saying to myself, among other things, how can I even take this awards ceremony seriously if they'll open their doors to X, Y, and Z and not acknowledge the cure, Reznor said. Let's just say I've never been as happy to eat my words as I was tonight. That's what he said when he was, like, inducting the cure. So it seemed like he was won over a bit easy when, like, they started giving respect to artists he felt deserved. Yeah, but that also just sort of leans into, like, you know, as much as you can say who is the Academy to say, or, like, whoever the nominee board is for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to, like, oh, how could they induct these artists? Like, well, who is Trent Reznor to say, you know, The Cure should be in? But, like, regardless, you know, award shows are pretty, you know, it, it it's, for lack of a better term, it's just like a big old, like, industry sort of circle jerk. Pat on the back. Yeah, just like, oh, look how great we are, and it's like, let's just recognize some of these big names. But, you know, they're, they're fun to talk about. It, there's no reason to get super heated over them. It's just like, you know, talk yeah. about some of the greatest artists of all time. Yeah, and I feel like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame isn't as easy to get angry about over, like, the Grammys and such, because I feel like it's yeah. honoring, like, already established artists. Yeah, because I don't, I'm not 100% familiar with the rules, but it's like, doesn't there have to be, like, a... Uh, like a, a time limit before you're allowed to like be considered. Yeah, I think it's like 25 years after your first studio album was released or something like that. Okay. So does, yeah. Do you know? Does that album have to be like super successful at all, or just as long as you've released an album, that's when the timer starts? I don't think it depends on like if your first album did like amazing. I think like you could probably just release like a nothing album, uh-huh. and then like later on you'd be like, oh, that's when you made like your huge impact. I think it's just like that's just like a technical just sort of like marker for yeah. them. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So looking at the list of uh, artists that have been nominated, who you're allowed to vote for five people online or allowed to. Who would you yeah. pick as your five? So between all of these artists, there's only like two that really stick out of my head. It's like if they don't get nominated or like if they don't get inducted, then I'm just going to be like. Writing. All right, who cares? <laughs> and that is the Notorious B.I.G. and I think it was Whitney Houston. Yeah. I think between both of those artists, just the impact that they've had not only in the industry but on the culture as well, especially like B.I.G., 
like Tupac is already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you can't you, have Tupac without B.I.G. Yeah, and you know, like other like hip hop artists like N.W.A. are also you know in the Hall of Fame as well. So it's like it just feels weird that he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame already. Granted, this from what I understand, this is his first year of like eligibility. Yeah. So you know, might as well like do it now. You know? Yeah. Like that's just it just seems like a no brainer. Yeah, my personal five, I included um, Notorious B.I.G. and Whitney Houston, of course. Um, I feel like both of them, as you said, have like a huge, like, they're huge staples in pop culture. Exactly. I also included Nine Inch Nails. I feel like if you're an artist who is like known as the artist of like a subgenre, and I feel like Nine Inch Nails is like the face of industrial rock, Mm -hmm. I feel like they definitely deserve a spot for basically defining a subgenre in my opinion right right and i feel like similarly i feel like that could also apply to craft work i feel like they were huge like early innovators in like synth pop and just like electronic music in the mainstream interesting okay yeah. i'm not as familiar with their work but yeah it's a little bit like early electronic music early mainstream synth pop it can be get hard to get into because i feel like it was very much a novelty it's just like okay beat boop robot music oh. <laughs> it can be sort of like that but like the if music you're... of my people yeah, if you're into that, like, go robot crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now in the final news story, um, we have FX member um, Sully has been founded at age 25. She uh, was formerly a member of the K-pop group FX. Um, she left the group in 2015. But she was found dead in her home on October 14th. So real quick before we dive into the, So the group name is F, like, per- parentheses x which represents the mathematical term for function so do they go by fx or is it like do they go by function i think they go by fx and i I remember reading an article where it said that the reasoning behind that name was that like they were gonna take as many genres as you could and incorporate to the equation of the band in their own way yeah yeah i was like oh that's a fun sort of like backstory to that rather odd name it seemed like like a cute meeting to like a quirky sort of name and you know i dig it but yeah, onto Saturday news. Yeah. yeah. Very, very unfortunate what yeah. happened. And I'm not a huge, like, K-pop fan. I would say I hardly listen to the genre. I do listen to, like, uh, foreign music to me as an American, even, like, other Korean artists that you wouldn't describe as K-pop. But, you know, any time an artist dies, especially when it seems like they have been going through a lot of struggles, it's always incredibly unfortunate. And... Interestingly, in like especially pertaining to the K-pop genre, it's a genre that's felt very, I would say like artificial yeah, in a way, very, very like manufactured. And from what I understand, uh, after reading about Soli, she was very outspoken about like mental health issues and just like feminist, you know, type of stuff, stuff that you wouldn't expect from like performers of like a very artificial genre so it's very unfortunate that you know it, it had to end this way but you always have fans that honor her like post or posthumously yeah yeah definitely like on twitter and on like social media there's just been like outpour of just like support and just love for her after her yeah. passing because like while in her time like she definitely was like very outspoken about like all the criticism and backlash she's gotten like from just like the from the widespread community, especially like on social media, mm-hmm. she had to approach her um, agent multiple times to ask them, "Hey, can you do something so I don't get literally like thousands and thousands of hate and death threats or whatever?" Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like, and like she was never like quiet about like the mistreatment that she gotten from social media. And I guess it's really I feel like her death is sort of like a sign of the times or just like a signifier of a huge issue not only um with sort of like the discourse and just like the way that people talk and be people like use social media for rather toxic ways mm-hmm. but also for the way that mental health is sort of viewed in South Korea yeah, because I was 
I was also going to mention that, like, especially in South Korea, like, for a country that is so very, like, autonomized and very, like, calculated, and, you know, all things considered, they have, you know, a very real threat just to the north of them, and then even further north is an even greater threat. So it's like, it makes sense that you want to have everyone sort of fall in line, but it's just unfortunate that a country, you know, that we see as forward as they are, they also struggle with, like, identifying mental health as being an issue and not so much like a, well, an issue in the way that it's like can be fixed or it's like should be helped and nurtured as opposed to like oh this is a defective product or whatever we have to like remove it yeah just sweep it under the rug exactly very it's you know very unfortunate that you know south korea for as great as you know people like me who are in like the esports sort of scene see them as like this great like mecca yeah the apex of just sort of like yeah yeah it's just they're they're very much they have problems in that country that need to be addressed you know not to say that we don't but yeah everyone's got problems everybody's got problems and i feel like um one thing i wanted to add on to was that i feel like sully um she was very much one of the first pop stars to be very frank, be very open about her own mental struggles. Sort of like Ariana Grande, she's been always been open about her anxiety, especially mm-hmm. what she's sort of sometimes described as like PTSD after her experiences with the Manchester shooting at oh, her concert. Right. Yeah. And other artists like Billie Eilish, who in her music, she is very open about like the depression and just sort of like the suicidal thoughts she's experienced often. I think that she is a very important figure in that type of, like, new, like, mentally vulnerable megastars. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's a crop of artists who are very important, not only as just, like, musical artists, but as sort of, like, sort of shifting the way that we talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's definitely very important, and it's a shame that um, she wasn't able to, like, it became too much for her. Yeah, and it's, like, It's so unfortunate that it's more or less one of those things where a lot of people won't look at this issue until there are, like... Until it's too late. Yeah, until it's too late for many people. So hopefully this gets the conversation going in a positive direction. Hopefully, you know, change comes at, like, you know, a regional level or even a global level, you know? Mental Mental health is something very important and should never be taken lightly. Yeah. Now to sort of lighten up the mood a little bit, let's... Hell yeah, um, let's get it. Yeah, let's tackle the new releases we got here. So the first one I want to talk about, and if you see you have anything to say about ours, if you recognize them mm-hmm. or you're interested in it, you can feel free to shout it out. Yeah, right on. Right on. Um, so first we're going to talk about Battles in their new album, Juice B. Crips. They're a New York experimental math rock band, and this is going to be their fourth album. And I include this first because their, I think it's their second album, Gloss Drop, it was released in 2010, is one of my favorite like rock records of the decade. It's just so creative so like, and so technically just like complex. Mm-hmm. It's just like the most complex like mathematical ear candy you could ever hear. It's okay. super fun. Um, then there's White Reaper. Um, they're a power pop garage rock um, group from Louisville. And this is going to be their third album. It's called You Deserve Love. Um, Jimmy Eat World. Um, their alternative rock band who's been kicking it for a while. Their first album was released in 1994, and this is their 10th album called oh, yeah. Surviving. Do you have any experience with Jimmy Eat World? Very, uh, a little. And I was going to say this before we started. It's like a lot of a lot of these releases are like rock bands and stuff like that. I'm not a huge rock person. So it was like when I saw Jimmy Eat's World, I'm like, that's a name I recognize. Like, there we go. Whoa. <laughs> um, but yeah, they come from that uh, sort of era of rock music where it's, um, I don't know the exact word for it, but it, it's artists that like to sound like this a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, skateboard core? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if that's the name for it, absolutely. I'd sort of um, fit them, like, not exactly, 
like these artists, but sort of like uh, Yellow Card, Blink-182. Yes, yes. Not exactly them, because I feel like Blink-182 are much more sort of like, ha-ha, they're a, bit, uh, they're a couple they're a couple jokesters, a couple chucksters. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, feel I, like... I only know because I have buddies that listen to that kind of music, and it's sort of like... It's sort of like when you have a friend that watches like Fight Club and really loves it, but they don't realize that it's supposed to be like a criticism on like toxic masculinity and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then they just become what the movies or the music's trying to be like, hey, exactly. maybe you should think about not doing this. And they're just like, oh, wait, I do want to do this. And it's just like, no, that, don't, you're don't, missing the point. don't do that. It's like that uh, Pink Floyd song where they're talking about like, um, I forget what the song's called, but it's the We Don't Need Um, no. I think Another Brick in the Wall. Yeah, that one. And it's like, it's not saying that education is bad. They're saying bad education is bad. Yeah. You know? Being able to interpret art and just stuff in general is a skill. And people, you know, like to overestimate, like, their skill. Yeah. So. And after Jimmy at World, we got Refuse with their album War Music. It's um, a Swedish hardcore punk group. It's their fifth full album and their second since their comeback in 2015. Right on, right on. Now, the album right before that was actually, I'd say, hugely influential to the 90s punk scene and the subgenre of... Uh, post hardcore it sort of mm-hmm. included like punk with also like a little bit of indian alternative rock a little bit of that so it was like really i feel like it's represented really well in the years that came after it so it was called a shape of punk to come i think and uh-huh. it was a very fitting sort of name for an album that became so influential i, I don't have anything i'm sorry <laughs> no it's all good and the last album is going to be clipping with her record. I think oh, I'm misspelled here, but I'm pretty sure it's um, existing an addiction to blood. Uh, you could look it up. I think I misspelled it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, a California hip hop group, very experimental, very noisy. It's going to be their third studio album. And here's something that people may not know about them, or it might be a way to like be interested in them. Um, it features David Diggs, who is um, a rapper who's known for his role in the little indie play people like to call Hamilton. Ah, yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, I have so many friends who are just like obsessed <laughs> with Hamilton. I have, I honestly, I have not given the album of like the songs, and I have a very distinct reason. Because I remember in high school, I was sitting at my lunch table, and this random girl came up to our table. I think one of my friends was just like talking about it, just like a passing remark. She came up to our lunch table and just started rapping for like six straight minutes. One of the songs from Hamilton. Nobody asked her to do so. I, I barely knew her, so I was just like, <laughs> I'd say I was traumatized by that moment. <laughs> yeah, you know, if that were me, what I would do, she, let her finish and then you just stand up you just start clapping and then you just don't stop for like an awkward amount of time just make it super awkward for everyone oh and you're gosh. just like following her to class you're just like <laughs> just didn't... make it super ridiculous i don't know if i'd have the guts to do that <laughs> i am but not that kind of yeah person. that's crazy that's crazy hang on i'm gonna try to find the actual name of this um the album because i do not want to mess this up i think it actually oh there it is. It is There is an Addiction to Blood. Okay. There okay. we go. After this wonderful little Google search interlude, let's talk about the main event. Yeah, you. Yeah, we got um, the debut album, the debut solo album of one Carolyn Polachek entitled Pang. Now, a little bit of background on this record. Um, Carolyn Polachek was a former member of the synth pop act Chairlift. Unfortunately, they broke up in late 2016. They had their like last goodbye tour in 2017. And this isn't her first time releasing stuff under like as a solo release. Um, mm-hmm. She had an album under the name Ramona Lisa. I really like that ah, name. Yes. <laughs> um, it was in 2014. I think the album was called Nice, which is it's good marketing. She was like, "Hey, this is a nice record. It's called Nice. Pretty, pretty nice. Pretty nice. I was gonna say. Yeah. And then like right after um, 
chairlift like broke up they she released one uh, ambient record under the name cep titled drawing the target around the arrow Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not the sort of record like I expected from her. I remember I listened to that when it first came out out of sheer curiosity. And it's like, it's anything but a pop record. It's just very just like a lot of soft, like instrumental sort of stuff. But it was like, it was dope. I was, mm-hmm. didn't expect that from her. And it was really fun to see her sort of explore outside of just pop. But this is her first release under her real name, Pang. Right. And um, in real anticipation for this record, she released, I think, five singles. So there was Door, Ocean of Tears, Parachute, so hot you're hurting my feelings and then look at me now was which, which was released like just earlier this week so it was mm-hmm. just like a last minute just like here's one more um just one more hint at the record before it dropped yeah now just to start off what were your overall thoughts on the record so going into this record i am you know i am firmly in the hip hop uh sort of realm of music and moreover so i'm i don't listen to albums in their entirety as much as i probably should I'm more of just like a hear a single, add it to the playlist kind of guy. Uh, so going into this album, listening to it like all the way through, uh, the first word that like came to mind to me was atmospheric. Like the uh, production for this album felt very like spacey, sort of surreal. Oh my gosh, yeah, just like astral, astral like space. Yeah, like <laughs> I could see myself like putting on like really good headphones, just lying in a patch of grass and just sort of watching the night sky go around. We were actually talking about this before the show. Yeah. Um, I, I'm studying like a, like film and like I'm a telecommunications major. And so whenever I'm listening to music, I'm always thinking, is there like a movie scene that I could attribute like a song I'm listening to? And what I came up for uh, some of these songs, like a door and um, so hot, you're hurting my feelings. The scene I came up for was like, imagine two teenagers just got through, like they were in a relationship and they had sort of like a falling out or it's like one of them is like, I just need to think about things. And so, like, they're, they're walking around town, and they're just sort of, like, looking out longingly. And this is the kind of music that would be playing, like, over it. Yeah, so. I definitely see that. Because I feel like, especially the song, So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings, I feel like it's sort of like the kind of lyricism that's just, like, isn't the kind of thing you, like, directly say to someone. Like, even the title, So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings, is a bit, it's, it's a bit funny. It's a bit absurd. Oh, yeah. um, but it's sort of like the kind of, like, lovesick sort of thing that you'd say was just, like, ugh, I can't <laughs> get over this person. Like, they're so hot. They're hurting my feelings. Yeah. Ugh. Definitely. But yeah, I definitely agree with like the sort of space feel of the record. I feel like the album is just like amazingly produced. It's just like mm-hmm. so crisp, so wonderful of an atmosphere that it captures. And I feel like um, while it does delve into other genres a bit of times, actually look at me now, single, actually I think it sort of delved into sort of like a folksy sort of singer-songwriter mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was very acoustic. Yeah, I can see that. And then So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings is very much like, it feels like a throwback dance pop track. It's got like a really like nice groove to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, like, a lot of the singles sort of, like, show a lot of, like, the different sides to the record. Did you watch any of the music videos attributed with the songs? Oh, I have. I really enjoyed the aesthetic she's pulled together. I wonder if you're talking about the music video for So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings. Yeah, so I saw that, um, Caroline, she does, like, a lot of stuff on her own, and just sort of, like, the set that she was, like, on and the way she was sort of dancing, that made me, it made me sort of feel like, yeah, she's probably doing this by herself. You know? Oh, yes. And I mean that in, like, the best, like, innocent way possible. Yeah, like, like no just... inhibitions about who's watching. You're just yeah. coyfully dancing through what the set was. It, the set was hell, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so hot. 
<laughs> but it, it was very it. like you could tell this isn't like you know a Sony production or like a Warner Brothers sort of music production, you know. Yeah. But it, that adds like a charm to it. Yeah, and, there's. I feel like it's all like the visuals for this album and just like everything associated with it is just like so charming, yeah. so just like really well pulled off, even though it can seem a bit homegrown at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, overall, I thought the album was just like super beautiful and like the lyrics. I really appreciate this. I. It wasn't until I really dug into the lyrics where I saw, like, the true just, like, where I feel like this album really shows, like, it's a genius side of itself. So I did some, like, a little digging around, a little research, and I found out that Caroline said that the first half of the record is supposed to be very, like, angsty, very just, like, torn up about sort of, like, a slow decay of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then the second half is sort of, like, the rising of the sun, where she's sort of, like, building up herself to be able to return to this relationship now that she's sort of, like, grown as a person. She's seen that the significant other has also grown as a person, and she's just waiting, like, oh, my gosh, I, I feel like I'm ready to join up into this again. And, like, I feel like it tackles it in a whole different sort of avenues. Like, so how you're hearing my feelings, sort of, like, a playful sort of angle yeah. with that. And then Go as a Dream, I feel like I really love that one. It was, I feel like it's sort of, like, her envisioning herself, this guy, and... She's just like, oh my gosh, I he's doing so good. I just want to be part of that again. But I think my favorite one and my favorite song title has to be Caroline Shut Up. Because <laughs> it's just like a fun like inner monologue. Just like, hey, you, Caroline, you, me, shut up and get out there and get your man. Because you're ready for it and he's ready for it. So yeah, I think both of them, like, they did a really good job of sort of, like, establishing this sort of, like, shift in mood, not only just, like, lyrically, and, like, the lyrics in this are fantastic. She's just, like, an amazing writer on this album. Okay. And just, like, I feel like the production does well, because I feel like the first half, like, all the albums are, like, very just, like, pretty. I feel like the first one has a little bit more of a sour sort of left field sort of... Like a longing sort of feeling. Yeah, and then the second half, like, of course, the hot you're feeling is just, like, the most bubbly just like enjoyous <laughs> pop song i've heard in a while and i feel like it definitely no other track like sort of reaches that sort of like joy euphoria i definitely feel like a lot of those songs do have this sort of this sense of just like bliss on the second half mm-hmm. i would say if i was to make a criticism of the album i felt like some of the vocals were they they meshed in or i don't want to say mesh but they like they sort of took a back seat to the to the uh, the music like sonically and it made it kind of hard to follow along, like, what exactly is the plot with the music? And as a project, I wasn't, or, like, as a story, I, I couldn't find myself getting too interested in it, like, compared to how atmospheric it sounded. Like, to me, this isn't an, a project I would listen to in its entirety again, maybe. But I would add it to, like, a chill sort of playlist to just play in the background and just, like, you know, throw it on, think about some stuff, watch some, I don't know, football. <laughs> on Sunday when it's like my team's losing and I'm like, I just need to feel better about myself. Yeah, or just, I just need to cry this out, put on the chill playlist. This. Oh, Caroline, serenade <laughs> me. Save me. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that because I feel like, um, well, she's an amazing vocalist. I, mm-hmm. I can tell through like, a lot of her projects, she sort of has this treating to her voice where it adds like a little bit like um, auto-tune to it, like not yeah. drowning in it, but like sort of like a weird like vocal edit way that really gives it its own little twist. Yeah, it doesn't sound like she's trying to hide anything with it or like compensate for it. It sounds like she's playing with sounds. Yeah, using it as a tool. Yeah. And actually, this was another little criticism I had. It felt like her delivery in a lot of these songs didn't feel very pained or like very like... um too expressive it felt like uh, she was playing into the melancholy sort of atmospheric music 
And because of that, I couldn't get behind more of the emotion. I think she has a fantastic voice, but I could, I feel like with a little bit more just like, you know, you talk about the first half of the album being, you know, kind of angsty. I didn't really, I didn't get too much of that. Yeah, maybe, I don't know if angsty is the right word, but definitely like a bit more just like sad or like just like yeah. long in the, oh, well, not long, but just like you're sensing that this relationship, it's slowly crumbling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely see in some sectors where like her voice can seem a bit detached as unique of a sort of technique that she does with like this vocal editing with this auto tune. I feel like it sometimes can just like make her voice fall into the electronic production a little bit too mm-hmm. much. Yeah. And I feel like on some tracks, I think that she does remote really, really well. I feel like on the last track, Parachute, mm-hmm. that one's just like so beautiful. When I first heard that song as a single, it was just like, oh, this album's going to be it. It is going to be <laughs> something. Because, like, I feel like she just does really well. I'm just, like, this very ambient, just sort of airy production. There isn't much to really, like, carry anchor the song other than her vocals and just, like, this sort of ambient background noise. And I feel like she carries it really well with her vocals there. But on some tracks, I do feel like it sort of, like, blends in and sort of just, like, doesn't really bring out, out the humanity yeah. through the auto-tune. So um, what would you say are your, like, favorite tracks overall? Um, overall, I, I like Door, even though I felt the chorus was a little annoying. A little her, repetitive? Yeah, her constantly saying, into the door, into the door. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. I like, I like it for like the first couple times. Got a little too repetitive, but yeah. overall, I liked it. That was probably one of the most atmospheric tracks that like I could see being in like the background of a movie or something like that. Other than that, um, I, I also really like So Hot. You know, the playful nature of the song. I, I felt like she played to it well. Yeah, I feel like it's like the most well structured, just best hook, just like tightest song. It's like just like three minutes and change. So mm-hmm. honestly, not many of the songs are too long on this record. Oh, right. Yeah. But it just feels like a perfectly constructed pop song. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me personally, I feel like I'm going to list off a couple of my favorites. I really enjoyed the title track, Hit Me Where It Hurts, uh, Ocean of Tears. So Hot, You're Hurting My Feelings, and Door and Parachute, I feel like I both add those, both those on. The album ends really strongly in the end, mostly because like, it's a lot of the singles, which mm-hmm. I honestly wanted to talk about a little bit. It's really unique for Caroline to put like all the most of the singles like at the very back, because usually it's like they toss them at the front of the record, just like, okay, let's give the audience like what they recognize real quick to yeah. sort of like, catch them. But Like the sampler, yeah. Yeah, but with this one, like, she throws it at the back, which is, like, a very unique listening experience. And I feel like it was a double-edged sword because, one, it was like, okay, so it's not like I'm exiting out of this album sort of being like, oh, oh, my God, I'm out of fatigue of, like, these songs I really don't know that well. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I feel like as I'm listening through the album, I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting for these songs to come up because I just love them so much, right. mostly because I had listened to this album, the singles, quite a lot before mm-hmm. the album came out. It's almost like... In going with that sort of strategy, I could see it in a way where it's like the tracks beforehand add context to what you already know. So it's like you're listening to the album, you're like, oh, this is like this relates to these songs. And it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Now, if you're someone like me that didn't really buy into the narrative as much for like this album as a whole, that might not matter. But, you know, if if you do subscribe to the narrative of the album and like you follow the singles and you're like, oh, these are really cool. I can't wait to see how the story develops. You know, hearing these singles beforehand, you could be like, oh, this is, you know, really deep. I like this. Yeah, and I'll admit it's about my fault. I, like, literally, so hard to hear my feelings. I was listening to that again and again and again, uh-huh. day after day after day. I've, I I could probably, 
it's probably in the dozens at this point. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I cannot say enough good things about that track. But Let's I feel see. like with waiting for all those songs near the end, I feel like this may just be like a personal thing. But I sort of put the expectations of, like, these other deep cuts to sort of, like, fall in line with those sort of tracks. Like, for example, Insomnia, it's very airy, very just, like, atmospheric, like, to the max, sort of, like, parachutes. Uh So, like, I couldn't help but sort of think, well, this is just, like, a not-as-good parachute. And, like, looking to the lyrics, it doesn't deserve that. I feel like it's a very important song in there. It's, like, in the middle of the record where, like, the shift is about to happen sort of, like, the lowest point in her sort of emotional roller coaster across the record. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that, definitely. But I was just like, oh man, I could be. Li- I wish I was listening to Parachute right now, but I'm going to be honest, like, it's one of the most abstract songs, so I feel like it may take me a little bit longer to get into this. Who knows, maybe sometime later on I'll be saying, oh my gosh, this is like amazing, this is like a masterpiece, all on its own, but for right now, it's just like, it hasn't really stuck out to me yet <laughs> as like a bold highlight of the album. Cool, cool. Yeah, so Caroline Pelichek's Pang is out now. It's streaming where albums you can stream. And would you recommend the album Pang to other people? Um, as an album, I don't know if I'd recommend it. I would recommend the singles from this album. So like uh, Parachute, Door, um, So Hot, you know. Yeah. Like all, all those guys. I, I would recommend them. Maybe not as like standout tracks that you put on repeat over and over again. But adding to like an atmospheric sort of chill playlist, I could de- I could definitely see it in the rotation. Yeah. Now, me personally, I often listen to albums like in sort of like their context. I'm that kind of person. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish a, I was that kind of person. Yeah. It's a complex issue of like what I recommend this as an album. Because on one hand, if you give it a very attentive listen, you're listening to all the lyrics and how they connect to each other. I think it'd be very fulfilling experience because like i feel like there's a really strong um narrative very strong emotional story being told throughout it mm-hmm. but if you're just like sort of kind of passively listening through it all, some of the songs can just sort of like melt into each other which could be work well as like background noise but if you want just like a engaging passive experience which may sound like a bit of an oxymoron or yeah oxymoron. Enga- engaging passive experience okay yeah, just yeah. like you can listen to it, like not just like be focused solely on that record, a bit, but you can still sort of notice, like, oh, this is like a new song, sort of like a new direction. Mm-hmm. It can sort of come a little bit um, samey if you're not like really paying attention to the record. Yeah. But overall, I'd really recommend it. It isn't like in my top five of the year, but like it's definitely a solid pop record in a year that's been filled with like amazing pop records I could go on, but mm-hmm. that might wait for a later time. Possibly a best albums of 2019. Spoiler. Let's spoiler. <laughs> we got a couple months left of the year, so we'll wait for that to happen. Hell yeah. But yeah, it seems like it's about time to wrap things up. Um, would you want to close yourself out? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, constantly check out like Byte at BSU stuff. I was very happy to be on. You know, this is my first time being on Remix. Normally I'm on uh, How It's Played talking about video game stuff. But yeah, gaming, baby. I, yeah, I like to think I'm <laughs> I'm more of a three-dimensional kind of guy, you know. I, I, I like to explore outside my lane, you know. Sometimes I'm in England driving on the wrong side of the road, you know. I know I, I get around, I get around. But, yeah, it but was, I'm classy. It was really great having you on, man. You really really kick this out of the ballpark thanks man thanks. i guess you don't kick things out in uh in baseball <laughs> well if you like to have fun you do yeah oh my god i don't you know mix, you mix it up i played little. baseball and you do not want to kick one of those small things <laughs> a 90 mile an hour fastball you try to punt it you just oh, break your ankle you break your foot your leg <laughs> just like you break everything but yeah um as he said you can check us out on bite at social media twitter instagram facebook at bite bsu also, YouTube at pretty much the same thing, Byte BSU. On all the socials, baby. Yeah, all of them. Follow, like, comment, 
be nice in the comments though. Just like engage with us. We love to have fans. We love Drop to your have... hottest memes. Uh, that too. We love that too. Um, but have a great day and make sure to come back next week for a new episode of Remix. See ya. Woo.